Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. Where where did the cold weather go? Because right now it's sunny conditions, 81 degrees. Oh, man. Loving it. Loving it. Hope you are as well. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're at work, in the car, at the computer, on your television set, wherever you may be, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. As um, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the top-ranked LSU baseball team took care of business last night with a 10-4 win over Central Arkansas. They improved to 19-2 on the year, and they head into this weekend's top-five matchup against Arkansas. So overall, you get through these midweek games, you play a lot of players, you do what you got to do. LSU sent six pitchers to the mound, only two who were used for more than an inning. Combined, the staff gave up five hits and five walks. All four of the Bears' runs were set in motion by a fluke error by Dylan Cruz, where he lost the ball in the lights in center field. I probably won't see that again. All in all, a good midweek game. The Raging Cajuns took care of their business as well. As you heard in the two-minute drill, Julian Brock, uh, two for three, six runs batted in. um, All part of an eight-run fifth inning as the Raging Cajuns seven inning run ruled grambling 13 to one feel like I jinxed um, the McNeese Cowboys because they got beat last night uh, by Houston snapping a seven game win streak and an 11 game Joe Miller ballpark win streak Uh, Houston jumped out to an eight zip lead McNeese rallied with three runs in the sixth, three runs in the seventh. That's all they could get. Houston tacked on one more insurance run in the top of the ninth to win it nine to six. Nichols comes to town for the start of the Southland Conference regular season run 
on Friday. Well, the Pelicans got a win over the hapless Spurs last night. The Spurs scored 16 points in the first quarter. Uh, New Orleans led by 11 after one, led by 25 at the half, and just cruised on through. Cruised on through 119 to 84. They're 35 and 37 overall. The Pels came out and announced um, the following medical updates. Now, remember, Pels got uh, 10 games left in the regular season. Recent medical imaging, according to the Pels, on Jose Alvarado, who has missed the last 10 games due to a stress reaction in his right tibia, showed incremental improvement. He will continue his rehabilitation process and will be ex- re-examined in two to three weeks. Two to three weeks. There's only 10 regular season games left. Do the math. Following re-evaluation on his right hamstring strain, Zion Williamson has been cleared to return to on-court activities. He will be re-evaluated in two weeks. <laughs> Jeez. Do they think we're stupid? Do they really think we are stupid? Two more weeks. So the Pels will be doing some uh, scoreboard watching tonight as they are off. They'll be uh, watching three games of interest, Atlanta at Minnesota, come on Hawks, Portland at Utah, come on Trailblazers, and Phoenix at the L.A. Lakers. Come on, Phoenix Suns. Right now, the Pels are tied with the Lakers, but the Lakers have the tiebreaker because of their head-to-head series uh, matchup. Um, Utah is a half. Utah and Minnesota are a half a game ahead of the Pels. So, if Utah loses tonight, Minnesota loses tonight, you got a four-way tie, all at uh, thirty-five and thirty-seven. So, um, wait and see on that. Reevaluated two to three weeks. Unfathomable. Unbelievable. Um, LSU's women's basketball team set out for Greenville, South Carolina today um, as a five point favorite over the Utah Utes um, as a number three seed. Four o'clock Central Daylight Time tip in the Greenville 2 Regional. Um, It's remarkable for Kim Mulkey when you look at her resume. It is outstanding. This is her 16th Sweet 16 in 23 years. And um, when you think about 16 Sweet 16s, just in her Baylor career, now one with LSU, LSU's had 15 Sweet 16 appearances in their entire existence as a basketball program. She has been absolutely spectacular. So um, good for that. Uh, As you heard in the two-minute drill, uh, the Saints made some made some deals. They're a former first round pick by the Oakland or Vegas Raiders, safety Jonathan Abram signed to a one year deal. 
And the Saints are bringing back defensive lineman Malcolm Roach on a one-year deal. So at one point in time, um, the Saints were without defensive linemen. They were really, really hurting. Uh, And now they're too deep. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. They're too deep at the position. Now, whether that too deep is good enough to maintain their an, an elite status as a defensive unit, I don't know. But Roach is a Baton Rouge native, started Madison Prep High School in Baton Rouge before playing collegiately at the University of Texas. He's carved out a nice role on the Saints' defensive line rotation. Last year, he appeared in a career-best 13 games, playing 37% of the Saints' defensive snaps, recorded 26 tackles, two tackles for loss, and his first career Sack. So now the Saints have four defensive tackles on their roster with Roach joining free agent acquisitions Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard, a late 2022 addition in Prince Emily. Um, and I don't think they're finished adding to that position group. Um, remember, they lost David Anyamata and Shai Tuttle last week to free agency. So um, not as doom and gloom as you expect, but I don't think they're done uh, by any stretch of the imagination uh, trying to improve that position, that position um, where one day away from the start of the Sweet 16 in the men's bracket. Uh, and with that in mind, let's go over our guest list today because it is star-studded. We saw that uh, Japan beat the USA, and what a matchup at the very end. Shohei Otani throwing to his L.A. Angel teammate, Michael Trout, uh, with a 3-2 lead, no runners on, and two outs, and Otani struck out Trout on a 87-mile-an-hour curveball after throwing – Three three fastballs over a hundred. Uh, ben McDonald will join us. We'll talk about the uh, World Baseball Classic, and we'll also talk about the Southeastern Conference in baseball as a whole after one weekend series and heading into a major major matchup between top ranked LSU and fifth ranked Arkansas. Uh, the Raging Cajuns won yesterday. They'll have a chance to back it up tonight when the Southeastern Louisiana Lions come to the Teague. We'll talk to the head coach of the Lions, Matt Reiser. Just a really, really good guy coming up around 2.30ish. Um, this Saturday is the run for the Louisiana Derby. One of those prep races has a lot of points and a lot of value for that first Saturday in May in the Kentucky Derby. Our handicapper, Michael Bakeshock, will tell you who, who to put your money on. And then a ton day with Huguenin as always Michael Huguenin from on3.com will join me we'll go over the sweet 16 on the men's bracket so that'll be a lot of fun we'll take our first time out of the day we'll come back Ben McDonald talking SEC baseball talking world baseball classic next this is the Jordy Holberg show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back as um, a beautiful day on this Wednesday, March 22nd. The World Baseball Classic is over. What a show it was between Japan and the United States, and what a show it's been so far in the SEC baseball regular season, one weekend series down, some surprises there. Um, let, let's talk baseball with with my good friend and former Golden Spikes Award winner. That's the that's the Heisman Trophy of college baseball. Number one pick in the MLB draft now does an outstanding job as a color analyst, both with the Baltimore Orioles and the SEC Network. I don't know how he has time to hunt and fish and do all the things that he does, but he's living the dream my buddy ben mcdonald ben how's that for an intro does that kind of sum it all up man you you jordy you you never cease to amaze me man you uh you you got it down you got it down the only reason i have time to hunt fish is baseball doesn't happen during hunting season so that's the only time (laughs) i that's the only reason why i get to hunt fish a little bit during the off season but hey it's baseball season now man and i'm uh i am looking forward to this weekend for sure uh, for sure. Let, let me get your opinion on the World Baseball Classic. Everybody's talking about it. Japan is the winner um, against the U.S. It was Otani versus Trout. The big controversy, but you can get hurt walking down the street. Players are getting hurt. I feel for the New York Mets losing their closer. Uh, what is your thought process on, on? I didn't even know Czech, the Czech Republic had a baseball team, but but they do. What is your what is your view on the World Baseball Classic? Well, you know, look, it, it's great for the brand of baseball. I mean, baseball yes. certainly won uh, in what we saw during the World Baseball Classic and, and you know, the, the big showdown that we saw last night between two of the arguably the, the best players in our game right now, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout to end the game uh, last night. So that was really cool to see. Um, you know, I'm kind of torn on this. First of all, it was not the best players representing the United States of America. We did not have the DeGroms out there and the Birdlanders on the pitching staff side of things. Right. So it's hard to say it was the best talent on the field. Now, position player-wise, you could make an argument that we had our A lineup out there, but I don't know about from a pitching standpoint. So okay. it's flawed in some ways. The Japanese team is in the middle of their season over there right now, and so those guys are all built up. There was not restrictions on their arms. It was not restrictions on their bullpen guys. And so they're a little bit better placed than, you know, like the U.S. team, for instance, all the major league guys. Well, he only got so many pitches he can throw. The reliever can only pitch every third day versus every other day. And so there were some restrictions out there. And so I get that piece of it. The only thing that concerns me a little bit, you talk about the injuries and, you know, Altuve, uh, you know, one of the best players in the game with the Astros, he's going to be out till the All-Star break. He broke his hand, got hit by a pitch. Yes, that could happen right. in spring training, but it didn't happen. Uh, Diaz, the closer with the Mets, blew out a knee in the celebration. He's going to be out the whole year is what it looks like. And from an owner's standpoint, like if I'm the owner of the Astros and I'm the owner 
of the mess. And I'm paying these guys. Altuve's making $35 million a year, right? And, and yeah. Diaz, I just signed to a $110 million contract. I got some concerns there. Like, I want them to be able to go play, but also if they get hurt, I want them to get hurt on my dime, not on somebody else's dime. And now i got to pay their salary. And so I'm a little bit torn. I see both sides of it. And, you know, somebody suggested, I said, well, that, maybe that's not a bad idea, is that, hey, you say, okay, if you want to go play in this thing, I'm okay with you playing in it. Having said that, if you get hurt on your own dime, me as an owner, I'm not liable for your salary that year. And, you know, people say, well, that's that's ridiculous. I was like, well, no, if I'm the owner, like, I hate to be paying Altuve now half of $35 million, and he's not even going to play for me the first half of the season. And so I see both sides of it. Um, It's a difficult you know, you want to be able to represent your country. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to wear the red, white, and blue. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do that. There's not a better feeling in the world to be able to go do that. But there's concerns for me when it happens. Uh, it's spring training. These guys aren't built up the whole way. And, of course, there's going to be a chance for crazy injuries. But it could happen in spring training, too. I get yeah. that piece of it. But those injuries didn't happen in spring training. They happened on their own dime. And that's what sits, I think, wrong with some of the fan bases out there. Yeah. Um, Otani's something, huh? I mean, he's. I, I can't imagine what dollar figure he is going to command because I've never seen a player like him. You've been in baseball all your life. I mean, he can throw it. He can hit it. What can he do? Yeah, it, Jordy, it's, it's, you know, it, I, I always hope on the schedule when I'm doing Oriole games that, that I get to see the Angels. And I'm lucky enough to see him for a four-game series this year because you get to see arguably the greatest player that's ever played the game. And that's a mouthful when I say that. I don't yeah. want people to take that lightly. But the only comparisons you can get to it is Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth only was a pitcher two years of his big league career. Then he was a hitter the rest of the way. Otani's going to probably do it for his entire career. And it's not very often when you see a guy step on the field and he can throw a ball as hard as anybody in the game. He was up to 102 last night. Uh, he can outrun just about – he can outrun Trey Turner, which is the fastest guy on the position player side for the U.S. Wow. team. And – and when you talk about hitting home runs, he can hit balls further than anybody that, that, that we've seen hit, maybe other side Aaron Judge or Carlos Stanton, but he's right there with them, you know. And so it's just a unicorn of a guy. I mean, it's a talent that comes along, uh, not even once every generation, maybe, right. maybe every three generations. We've never seen this before. And so yeah. I, I don't know what kind of money he's going to get, but I have a feeling it's going to start with a five. Like, it's going to be 500-plus million dollars because he's arguably one of the top five starting pitchers in the game of baseball when he pitches. And then you add what he does as a DH. He was the MVP two years ago. You know, he had all those home runs. He's a, he's a difference maker. And I was talking to – I might have told you the story. I was talking to the Angels coaching staff uh, last year about how athletic he is. And, and they told me, they said, Ben, if he wasn't a pitcher and he was only a position player, like he is good enough, he would run Mike Trout out of center field. Like he would be playing center field for the Angels and Trout would be playing right field. That's what kind of athlete he is. And so it's just a, a wow. dude that we've never seen before. And probably in my lifetime and years and maybe my kids' yep. lifetime, we'll never see another talent like Shohei Otani. Ben McDonald, kind enough to join us. Let's shift to college baseball. Um, 
I, I, one weekend series in the SECs in the books. If you had told me Tennessee, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Mississippi State would be 0-3, I'd say, no way. I'm taking that bet, and I'm running all the way to the <laughs> bank with it. But that's, in fact, what is and what happened. So already some surprises, but it sets up a monumental matchup early on. LSU at home, number one ranked team in the country versus the fifth ranked team in Arkansas. What do you think about that one? Yeah, you know, it was a surprise opening weekend. I mean, in a, in a year where our conference is supposed to be as deep as it ever has been, you get five sweeps on opening weekend. I mean, who saw that coming, right? Five sweeps, and you mentioned it. I think the biggest one was, was Tennessee. You mentioned that one, and going to Missouri and getting swept by a Missouri team that everybody picked to finish dead last in the SEC. So that was probably the biggest surprise. Look. Arkansas has got a lot of injuries. They lose their Friday night guy like, you know, LSU lost a weekend guy too. But they also lost their closer and another really good pitcher, but yet they've won 15 consecutive games now and, um, you know, 14 consecutive games and they're sitting 19 and two overall. They swept Auburn, uh, pretty handedly this past weekend, you know, and so it, it's a good team. It's a team. Dave Van Horn, look, he's made nine trips to Omaha now, seven with the, with, uh, Arkansas who they went last year. For the right. seventh time, he, of course, he went twice with Nebraska, and he's never won it. That's the only thing missing from his resume, and of course, Arkansas's resume. They don't have a national championship in baseball, but they're really good. Like they're the, the offense is solid, the pitching is solid. They just figure out ways to win, you know. Now, on paper, I think LSU has a better team. LSU's out pitching uh, Arkansas by a good bit. LSU, you know, the ERA is second best in in, in the Southeastern Conference, and of course, Arkansas's down there about ninth with a four point two one. You know, so I think LSU's going to score some runs, and of course, they got the big right-hander Skeens, who his uh, his draft stock Jordy has just wow. shot through. I mean, he was projected mid to late first round when the season began, but I'd make the argument right now, from what I've seen, he is the best arm in the draft. He's the best. Uh, he's passed Dolander up to Tennessee, who was projected to be the first pick. I think Skeens is, is popped by him early in the year this year. And so it's going to be a fun matchup on, on Friday night in the box. Uh, two really good teams, two elite offenses that are scoring a lot of runs. And then it'll come down like it always does to pitching and, and a little bit of defense. And so I like LSU's chances to win two out of three this weekend. Could LSU possibly have the first two picks in the draft in Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens? Is that out of the realm of possibilities? Uh, no, it's not. It, it is not. Now, Wyatt Langford, who is nicked up a little bit over at Florida, may have something to say about that. And, of course, Dolander, who we just mentioned, the, the Friday night guy at Tennessee, who was the SEC Pitcher of the Year last year, may have something to say about that. But right now – and it's hard to make the case that Paul Skeens is not the best pitcher in college ball right now, and I don't think it's close right now. And it certainly goes without saying that Dylan Cruz is the best position player in the college game right now. Like, his own base percentage is through the roof. He's hitting 515. Or it's like he's got, like, travel ball numbers going like when you were 12 years old. You know, that's what kind of numbers he's putting up right now. And those two players right now are the best at what they do in college baseball right now. It's simple, and, and that's what it is. I didn't know that Dylan Cruz could get better, Jordy, but he's better. Like, he's better at taking pitches this year. We saw him as a freshman. He struck out a lot. He chased mm -hmm. some pitches last year out of the zone. But right now, this year, like, he has been just locked in to the plate. He's not expanding the zone. His swing decisions are really, really good. And he's driving the ball like he did last night out the opposite way for home runs. And he understands who's sitting behind him in the lineup. And he says, you know what? If you don't want to pitch to me and you want to walk me, I'll take my walk. Because you're going to face that big grizzly bear that hits behind yeah. me. Uh, you know, Tommy Tanks, who is just wearing it out right now. And it's nice to have those two guys because they protect each other in that lineup. And 
Cruz is patient enough and he understands enough. If you don't want to pitch to me, you'll just face the big guy sitting behind me. I'm going to let him do some damage on y'all, and it's worked pretty well so far this year. It reminds me of some of Skip's old teams. I mean, they're, they're big, they're strong, they're physical, and they can when they get a hold of it, it, it goes a long way. In conclusion, yeah. um, we talked about the World Baseball Classic, and you saw the matchup of teammates, Otani for Japan, Trout for the U.S. If Ben McDonald was in a situation like that in your entire career, who, which one of your teammates would you have liked to face in a situation like that? Oh, if it was a teammate of mine, uh, pro- probably the Iron Man. Like, it'd be hard in a situation like that not to face Cal Ripken Jr. Although I got to pitch against him a couple times uh, when I went over to Milwaukee Brewers when we played the Orioles. I got to pitch against him a few times, I think a couple of games, which was always fun. But it's uh-huh. hard not to want to pitch against the Hall of Famer. Of course, we talk about Mike Trout. He's a can't-miss Hall of Famer. Otani with just a few more years of doing what he's been doing will probably be a Hall of Famer, too, you know. So it was cool. Like I said, baseball won last night. And it, yeah. the, the reports over in Japan, I, like 80% of the households had the game on. I mean, it's uh, it was an incredible atmosphere. <laughs> it's fun to see. And so it's cool, the World Baseball Classic. I think it was really yeah. – look, it's certainly more exciting than watching spring training games, right? <laughs> you know, Thank so you. it was good to see. And uh, – uh, it was fun, and I, I look. I, I was glued in last night. I can't lie. I was glued in, hoping to see Otani come out of the blue. I was worried to yep. death, Jordan, because he's never been a reliever in his life, and so I was worried. Please, Lord, don't let Otani get hurt warming up or whatever he's doing. You know, but he came out of it fine. And the matchup he had with with Trout was uh, was a historical matchup in a lot of ways. Two guys that never get to face each other, and I, like I said, two of the best players, if not the best, two players in the game of baseball right now. It won't go down as one of those all-time classics because it's not the World Series. It's not Carter hitting the walk-off home run or anything like that, but it was theater. And this early on before Major League Baseball tees it up and plays for real, any kind of theater you can get for the game of baseball is good for the game of baseball. So baseball's the winner. Sure, 100%, you know. And, uh, you know, it's about the game of baseball and trying to grow it all around the world, you know. We know how big it is. You know, over the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Puerto Rico, it's huge. That's what they do over yeah. there is they play That's baseball. Right. But I think it was big for the U.S. fans, too. And of course, the Japanese fans are always all in on it as well. So it was a, it was a cool experience to see for sure. Ben McDonald, he's the best. Just think, of 80% of televisions in Japan – that. That's a lot of millions of people. That's a lot of millions yeah. of television sets. Think about it that way. That's that's awesome. Ben, thank you. Um, it's a long season, big guy. Um, take care of yourself. Do well, as always, and I appreciate your time. All right, Jordan. I'll have LSU and Arkansas this weekend for all three, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. All right, Ben, thank you so much. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Uh, the Raging Cajuns won last night. They take on Southeastern tonight. We'll get a preview of the Lions with their head coach, Matt Reiser, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli inside home of the best cheeseburger 
ever and by cajun chef man turn up the taste do yourself a flavor with cajun chef hot sauce this is the jordy holtberg show live from the evco development studios in upper lafayette on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station 36 minutes after the hour, uh, tonight at 6 p.m. at the Teague, uh, the Raging Cajuns will be hosting the Southeastern Lions as the Lions embark on a five-game road trip. They'll be in Lafayette tonight, Corpus Christi, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before they end up their road swing in Mobile on Tuesday against South Alabama. Joining us now is uh, one of the true good guys in the business, outstanding coach. Coach entering his 10th season as the head coach of the Southeastern Baseball Program. Um, they've won three Southland Conference titles under his tutelage. They've had four NCAA tournament bursts. He's on the bus with his headphones on so he doesn't disturb his players. But, Matt, we thank you for your time, buddy. How you doing, man? Yeah, doing fantastic, Jordy, man. As always, I appreciate you having us on and uh, get a chance to talk about the Lions. Uh, I love it. Um, you are in one of those seasons where it's been kind of up and down, up and down. You're 12 and eight overall. You're coming off a, uh, a home series against Memphis where you won the, the middle of, uh, of the three games, uh, assess yep. your ball club, uh, to date against really good opposition that you, look, you win two out of three at Auburn. So, there you go. So you played really good competition. Uh, what do you think of your ball club right here, right now? Yeah, you know, in all honesty, Jordy, uh, the first four weeks, I mean, you know, we didn't have success at Jacksonville from a, the last game standpoint. We played a good club over there, really dominated eight and two-thirds on Sunday. And, you know, one out away, one strike away from wrapping up that series. And, unfortunately, had that kind of, you know, baseball thing that happens every now and then where yeah. you just can't get nobody out and they had to walk off win against us. So, you know, that didn't go our way, but I uh, got right back on track the week after against Auburn. Again, we're playing a great non-conference schedule as usual, and the guys bounced back well and really, you know, just didn't play good baseball last week. I mean, that was kind of the first week that I've been kind of disappointed in the way, you know, we've gone about our business. But, you know, it's a long season, man, 14 weeks, regular season, you know. You throw in about three or four more, five more weeks of uh, postseason playing there. So you're bound to have it at some point in time, right? It's just how quickly right. you can – uh, get out of that little rut that you're in and, and get right back to work. And, man, in all honesty, we could ask for a better opportunity tonight. I mean, we're really, in all honesty, looking right in the mirror. You know, obviously, uh, Coach Teggs is a dear friend of mine and uh, right. run their program very similar way we run ours. You know, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be athletic. Uh, they're going to love to compete and be in the moment. So uh, just a great opportunity tonight to be able to get back over there and get on track. Two interesting statistics about your club. Your fifth in the nation in stolen bases was 64, but you lead the nation in hit by pitches with 71. What the heck is that all about? Yeah, you know, again, it's mentality, you know, and then I'll see in our position tonight, same thing with Lafayette. They're going to move their feet. They're just, they're tough, hard nosed kids that love to play the game, but they understand, you know, what their offensive identity is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our guys just do a good job of uh, really you know, trying to dominate that inner half. You know, to get good hitters out, you got to go in. Uh, when you do it, either you're going to miss over the white part of the plate, which you can find a barrel, or you're going to miss in, and you're going to hit us, right? you got to have a fine line of execution there to be able to get there on that black. And uh, So, yeah, so, you know, obviously teams, though, they have to do that to try to get us out. And Sometimes it works in our favor, and sometimes it doesn't. But guys do a good job of that identity and not moving their feet. 
It seems like Tyler Finke is your guy batting 328. It's a team effort, I understand, but he leads. Uh, he's second nationally in stolen bases with 20 and 10th in runs scored at 30. Uh, where is he in the lineup, and, and, and what do you like about his – is he that is he that guy that always gets his uniform dirty? Is he, the, is he that guy? He is that guy, Jordy, man. He's an electric player. And just in all honesty, good to see him healthy. You know, the last two years – to start out the year, he's had an injury to his lower half, and that's his, that's his tool, right? He's explosive in his lower half. Also, you can see the speed, but, you know, he's got some for, for a little guy as well. You know, he had double-digit home runs last year as well as 28 stolen bases, and, uh, you know, a guy that's just really a spark plug for, for our club offensively, and then defensively, I'll put him up against anybody in the country. I mean, he can go get it out there in center field, takes away a lot of runs, and, uh, yeah, just a really good player for So to see him mature now into what he is, and for him to be healthy and be one of the leaders of his club, uh, definitely a young man. We we like our guys to follow. Awesome. Um, uh, your pitching staff. Uh, that that's what baseball is is all about. You know, you, if you have dominant pitching, boy, it makes up for a whole lot of things. What do you think of your pitching staff, and who is your guy? Yeah, you know, in all honesty, uh, and the one thing I thought we did well last week was our starting pitching. Uh, all four starts last week, I thought we had quality starts and. Guys deep in the ball game, you know, our, our bullpen was where we kind of did match up real well last week, and and we know we've got the ability back there to be able to do it. We've got some guys that uh, you know that haven't performed as well as they should have, and uh, but they're tough kids, man. You know, again, they 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 see failure uh, only to see success, right? To, to know what it really is, and so uh, mm-hmm. there's again tough mentality, makeup dudes that'll bounce back for us, but. Uh, you know, we're going with the left hand tonight, Jay Long, uh, that I really like. You know, I challenged him a few weeks ago after one bad outing that he had, and uh, he's responded well since, you know, through really well in the last week against the Southern Miss Club. So we've got conference play starting this weekend as well. I mean, obviously we're two days out uh, from playing there. So, you know, we guys get some opportunities. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be shocked to see a few different arms in there tonight. Uh, obviously, don't get me wrong, we're in there to, to, to win. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not trying to just play, play favorites and get ready for the weekend. Uh, we need to get this thing back on track, but we've also have the ability and the talent back there to get some guys right, uh, and hopefully it starts tonight. Um, Matt Reiser, the outstanding head coach at Southeastern. The ball club is on en route uh, across the spillway, heading to uh, Lafayette. Uh, long road trip, man. You got a Corpus Christi's a hike and a half. Then you, how do you? Ha- how the heck do you go from Corpus Christi to Mobile, Alabama? Man, here's <laughs> zigzagging the country, dude. What, what's up with that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, schedule is probably the number one thing that coaches dislike in this business. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. just, you know, trying to fit all the agendas that you got to fit in, right? The amount of home games you got to play. Obviously, you know, we're fortunate to have enough opponents around us that, uh, you know, are high quality for RPI uh, to be able to, you know, build that resume and what we want to do. So, yeah, we'll get over. We'll stay there in Lafayette tonight, throwing up that trip a little bit to Corpus, you know, play over there this weekend. But we'll sleep in our own bed on Sunday night, Monday night. They hit that midweek game there at Mobile. So we've done it a couple times already. You know, went to Alabama for six days uh, and also had that trip over to Jacksonville. So the guys yeah. are primed and ready for the road for sure. Lots of card games, lots of movies, lots of bonding and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And that, 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 that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. And a lot of headphones on, right? I mean, goodness. A lot of headphones. A lot of video <laughs> watching for the coaches. I understand Uh, the conference. I I know, uh, again, I keep talking about baseball in the state of Louisiana. It's really, really good. You play UL tonight. You're going to play LSU, the number one ranked team in the country uh, in May. But that conference with Nichols and McNeese and Lamar and on and on and on. That's I mean, that's a tough conference, man. 
Yeah, it really is. It's a it's a uh, very versatile baseball conference, and you know we uh, in all honesty, somebody asked me the question the other day, like, "Hey, man, where do I feel the conference is?" You know, just watching the preseason stuff. Obviously, having Lamar back's been nice. They've got off to a good start, but I feel like it's a multiple league again this year. You know, we had been uh, there for a few years in a row. You know, two to and what I thought twenty seventeen should be a three bid league, but uh, you know, last couple of years been back down to that one bid. And I and honestly think just watching the preseason non conference stuff. You know, there's a lot of quality wins in the conference and a lot of quality clubs. A lot of guys have got some veterans back and maturity back. So, you know, the biggest thing for us is trying to find consistency with these young men. And I think that's right. uh, obviously as they get older, mature a little bit, maybe you find a little bit more consistency than you do an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. Uh, but, you know, with COVID back and everything up, you know, a lot of ball clubs have got a lot of maturity, a lot of older guys that understand, hey, man, it's a – it's a day-to-day basis, right? You got to be just consistent. So that's great that you want a series at Auburn. Hey, man, we got to go and take care of business the following week and the next week after that. It's not the end of the year. So in the same sense, when you have a bad week like last week, hey, man, it's not the end of the year. You know, we got to get right. back on, on track and do what we know we're very capable of doing. So really like the club, man. I think it's a, a veteran club. I think the club has been seasoned through a lot of uh, scars, so to speak. Right? We've had our fair share of, of things we've had to go through and wounds we've had to lick. In the same sense, you know. Hey man, just makes us tougher and more ready for for the board in. I love it when the in-state schools play one another. I think it's great for baseball. It's great for the fans. I think it's terrific. So I admire both you and Coach Deggs for setting this up, the first of two matchups that you'll play this year, uh, 6 o'clock first pitch. And I wish for you and your team the success like Coach Gazzardo had on the women's hoops team. That that was hey. awesome, man. That was really hey, awesome. How awesome. First uh, time hey, ever. Hey, look, a big shout out to Coach Gazzardo, man. What she took over and – uh, what she has built is truly from scratch to build it into just an absolute monster there, man. Uh, so happy for the, for them and their program. And uh, what a fun ride to be able to go play Iowa for the 14,000 people, play one of the best, you know, girls in the country. So big shout yeah. out to Coach Gazzardo and those girls. We've got to follow That's it up awesome. with them. That's awesome. Well, um, take a break from some, some so much of that film study. Go watch a good movie. Relax a little bit. Good luck tonight. Have fun. Look, stay healthy um, and uh, and best wishes, man. And thank you as always. Jordy, I appreciate you, buddy. Line up. Yeah, line up. There you go. I love it. Matt Reiser, head coach of the Southeastern Louisiana Lions taking on the Raging Cajuns tonight at the Teague. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll put a wrap on our number one. Set the stage for our number two, horse racing, college hoops, and more next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We do this every year. This is one of the best giveaways that the game has. It's crawfish time. And what the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. And it's cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. If you do, you can have a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card, okay, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. But guess what? That's not it. That's not all. We're going to throw in a pair 
of Astros tickets as well. So do yourself a favor and enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 706-0111, your opportunity. We can squeeze in a call or two before the top of the hour. Uh, the Saints, as we said earlier, are planning on signing safety Jonathan Abram. Uh, the safety, the signing is pending the results of a physical that he's taking as we speak. Um, no terms uh, disclosed as of last night. He's 26 years old, was the 27th selection in the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Mississippi. Mississippi State by the Oakland Raiders. He appeared in just one game as a rookie because of injury. In 2020 and 2021, he intercepted three passes, recovered two fumbles, and totaled 202 tackles, including 116 stops in 2021. That bad. Vegas did not pick up Abrams' fifth-year rookie option for 2023. In fact, they waived him at midseason last year. He's picked up by the Packers, who released him after three weeks. Abram finished the last six weeks of the season with the Seattle Seahawks. So take it with a grain of salt here um, as to what his effectiveness will be and if they leave or make it. The Saints return their starting duo from last year, safeties Teran Matthew and Marcus May. Um, April will compete for a spot against newly signed safeties Lonnie Johnson and Ugo Amadi, as well as uh, Smoke Monday and undrafted rookie in 2022 so you know i always wonder about these free agents i know it's i know it comes down to dollars and cents a lot of times most of the time but if they're that good they're that good don't you think that team's going to figure out a way to keep them they're going to figure out a way now sometimes you can't uh trey hendrickson understood the saints made a mistake there should have gotten rid of uh, Marcus Davenport earlier, kept Trey Hendrickson, and now we're talking business. But, you know, you can't you can't strike it rich all the time. You're going to make mistakes. It's an inexact science. That's why all these teams that are jockeying for quarterbacks, you had C.J. Stroud's pro day today at, at Ohio State. Tomorrow, Bryce Young in Tuscaloosa at Alabama will have his pro day. And all these, you know, owners and GMs and coaches are there and they're watching everything. I mean, it's not it's not an exact science. It's just not Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning. You know, um, Crouch from Kentucky. Wow. First first pick Marcus um, Jamarcus Russell from LSU. All the measurables, everything you could want, you thought. But. Do you really know the person that well? And that's why these, all the research and all the homework that these NFL teams do, they talk to the managers, they talk to the trainers, they talk to the professor, they talk to the, um, the people running the, the cafeteria. What's he like? 
what you know they, they dissect everything because because they're investing so much money into someone and so it, you know it, there is no exact science boy what's what's between the ears and in that heart who makes up for a lot of things a lot of things so uh we shall see we shall see um man that's what you do that's what you do um a canadian billionaire is uh eyeing ownership of the washington commanders steve apostolopoulos um the newest potential bidder for the washington commanders there are only three known bidders at this point in time groups led by josh harris houston rockets owner tillman fertita and now this Canadian billionaire, although there has been speculation that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos could potentially join the mix. Um, Apostopoulos also recently had discussions to buy the NBA's Charlotte Hornets from Michael Jordan, but is focused on the opportunity to purchase the commanders, according to sources. If you had to buy one if you had an option to buy an NFL team, an NBA team, or a Major League Baseball team, the NFL is the way to go. It's the way to go. Just is. Now, I know you have more players and your income uh, of, of your salary. Salaries are extravagant, but there is a salary cap. Baseball doesn't have one. Basketball does. Uh, but the television packages and all that, it's just you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. So we'll see. Um, but I think everybody wants Daniel Snyder out as soon as possible. Forbes has listed the value of the franchise at $5.6 billion, with a B, billion in our nation's capital. Holy cow. Um, all right, coming up, our number two of the program. This Saturday, the fairgrounds, New Orleans, it's the Louisiana Derby. Very important race on the road to the Triple Crown, starting with the Kentucky Derby. Our handicapper, Michael Bakeshock, will join us and preview the race and tell you who he thinks is going to win the thing. There's a clear favorite, but we'll see. And then Michael Huguenin from On3.com will join us and we'll talk men's NCAA tournament Sweet 16 matchups. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champs, the Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two. Hope you're having a great Wednesday, March 22nd, the year 2023, 81 degrees, a chamber of commerce day. Thank goodness that cold spell is gone. It's back to nice temps. And we've got a busy second hour plan for you and yours. My main man, James Mesh, inside the master control suite in the FCO Development Studios. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. That's where you'll find... Um, 
uh, Delta Media, which is where KLWB is, and that's 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ, 1041 Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Uh, it's a big weekend this Saturday in the thoroughbred industry the louisiana derby runs um as a prep event on the road to the 2023 kentucky derby may 6th the first saturday in may so i get the privilege of talking to one of the best out there uh, a former national handicapping champion the eclipse award winner he's also deeply involved in um, in, in politics as a campaign manager, and he does everything, and really a good, good guy. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Michael, Michael Bakeshock for kind of a primer on the Derby. Michael, good afternoon, sir. The Blonde Bomber. Man, I hadn't heard uh, that in quite a while. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> that's it's a throwback. A I bet you, you love hearing that, don't you, Jordy? You are the Blonde kind, Bomber. Yeah, I wish, you were the blonde I, wish bomber. I still had that, but, I mean, it's yeah. kind of turned gray, and it's not so long anymore, but it is, it is what <laughs> it not is. not much left of it, is there? Not right. much left at all. So yeah. um, you said you were giving up on horse racing. I hope that's not true, man. I hope you're back kind of sort of involved in it. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. I gave up on it for, you know, I took a little vacation, but I'm, I'm very um, encouraged by the, the national um, uh, environment. And we're moving towards a national racing commission, which actually will go into effect for most states except Louisiana on March the 27th. Um, so we'll have a national guidelines on drugs, withdrawal times and, and it just it's just a really giant leap forward, I think, for horse racing. Um, so, you know, awesome. I'm kind of back. But Louisiana, as, as we've known to be at, in times, you know, we're a little bit behind those times. And our current attorney general is suing the, the national group. So we're, we're going to have to wait a little while uh, mm. before the legal courts can sort it out here in Louisiana. But I'm back. I'm back in Good. horse racing full full strength. Hey, I wanted to give a shout out real quick to I just competed again in the national handicap and championship where I performed utterly bismally, uh, <laughs> abysmally. But one of our local people from Lafayette, who people may know over there, is Doctor Francis Bustani. He's a dentist, I believe, or was. He finished second, uh, won two hundred and fifty thousand, and he led the thing for. Three for both first day and second day, and almost all of the third day, until a guy from um, God, I want to say Kansas City caught hmm. him, you know, in the last few races. But Doctor Francis at the wire. who I know and who is a great one of the great human beings uh, I've met on the on the handicapping circuit, he just put in a tremendous performance. Nipped him at the wire. Wow! All yeah, right, Saturday yeah. is the one hundred and tenth Louisiana Derby. Uh, I did my research. Two horses have won the Louisiana Derby prior to taking the first leg of the Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby. Black Gold back in 1924, Grindstone in 1996. Some big horses. Funny Side, Mandolin have been there as well. So it's a field of 12. And I look, we've got. Keith DeSormo has a horse in this thing. Tom Amos has a horse in this thing. How do you size up this field? 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll correct you slightly on because Mandaloon, uh, who who I don't know that he won this race actually though, he but he came, not. he ran in the Derby, epicenter, Correct. won it last year, ran second. So the, the race has really produced over the past three or four years a lot of really strong contenders. So the first, you in this race, which is um, the Twinspires dot com million dollar Louisiana Derby, you got to start with Brad Cox, the trainer who has three entries in here. One of whom is Instant Coffee, who won his yep. only start at the fairgrounds, um, but skipped the Risen Star, which is the, the prep to the Louisiana Derby. He's got um, he, he's got Tappet's Conquest in here, who ran in the Risen Star and ran fourth. Um, and then he's also got the horse who happens to be my pick, which is Jace's no. Road, who won the Gunrunner here at the fairgrounds going wire to wire back in December, and then went up to Oaklawn Park, which is in Arkansas, on a sloppy track and just didn't run a, 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 a lick. But he comes back here, and he sure looks like he's going to be on the lead. And I just feel like the speed in this race, even though it's a little bit longer than he's run before, he's going to be very dangerous up there on the lead, and they're going to have to catch him to win. And he's going to be a nice price. So, I mean, those – you know, you got to start with Brad Cox. He's just he okay. wins these races on big stakes days. He's one of the leading trainers in the country, trained Mandaloon. Um, he just gets his horses ready. So I think the winner will likely come from those three horses trained by Brad wow. Cox. Uh, Jace's Road is the pace setter. He's probably gonna be out in front. Um who's the best who's the best closer out of this group? Yeah, well, instant coffee, uh the other Cox. <laughs> who started uh, last in the Lecompte and just ran down the horses very, very easily, actually. He ran them down pretty pretty easily. He won by two and a half lengths, even though that was a shorter race. He's going to be a closer. And then I'll give you a, a really deep, deep closer who's going to be a big, big price, who I think has a lot of talent. This may not be his day, but he, he sure – will give us a run for our money at probably 40 to one. And that's the outside horse, the 12 horse who you, you may, you may take a liking to Jordy baseline beater. Wow. The baseline beater starts. He'll be way back. He'll be last. And then he will just come running late, whether he's got enough gas in the tank uh, and enough talent to get to the top. I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the top four, and he's going to be wow. a tremendously long price. So just depending on how fast they run early, if they go too fast early, you know, then his chances will increase. If they go a little bit slower, it would be harder for him to gain. But this is a re- he's going to be a really nice horse as we get further down the road. I see him almost as like a Belmont horse. He just looks like he could run all day uh, long. Okay. And, uh, well, he's going to get to run a mile and three-sixteenths uh, on Saturday, so we'll find out. One of those closers is being trained by uh, Keith DeSormo, and that single ruler, David Cohen in the in the saddle, uh, single ruler is a fifteen to one shot at this point in time. Oh, Keith does a good job, doesn't he? He sure does. Uh, I had opportunity to run into him a couple weeks before he won the Rebel Stakes, I think, with Confidence Game at like twenty to one a few weeks ago, which is another three-year-old prep race he'll stay up there to run in the arkansas derby but Keith seems to win these you know he, he also has a knack for getting his horses ready to run in these big races and 
there's no I have no knocks on this one. He he won his maiden race two starts back. He came back and he ran in the risen star and just was way too far back on a slower pace and had no shot there. But um I, I wouldn't be surprised to see see single ruler coming down the stretch because I know Keith DeSormo tends to win with long shots and this is certainly one of those long shots and he's also a closer. One of the big name trainers, Todd Plexer, has an entry. Uh, Kings Barnes going up uh, from Spendthrift Farm with Flavian Pratt in the saddle. He's had two starts. He's had two wins. Uh, he's going off at six to one. I, Todd Plexer has uh, he's won four Louisiana Derbies in his past. He's the reigning Eclipse Award winner. I, what do you think of Kings Barnes? He sounds pretty good to me. He's dangerous. He's, as you said, I think Pletcher's won uh, as many Louisiana Derbies as anybody else over the past 20 years, maybe more than anybody. Um, this is a typical pattern for Pletcher. He'll normally run you know, his horses uh, in Florida and then ship around to find the best prep race. And um, this is the best prep race. And this horse was uber impressive in his maiden race at Gulfstream in Miami. And then even more impressive, winning off by seven lengths in his next start. He's fast early. He's fast late. And as you said, there there are a few better trainers uh, in the country than Todd Fletcher. And he's a, an expensively bred horse. They paid 800000 for this horse. Hmm. Uh, his daddy liked to go long. He's going to be dangerous. I think 6-1 to one is probably a little generous. I think this horse might be the second choice, but... You know, if the public lets him go off at six or seven or eight to one, he certainly would be value at that price. All right. So this Saturday, about 527, I believe, Central Time will be uh, the call to the post. And uh, they'll they'll break out of the gate and go from there. And your pick is at 12 to one right now. Brad Cox trained Florent Giraud in the stirrups. Jace's Road. Who else do you like? Who, give me Give me something, man. Come on. I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think it's going to be the Brad Cox show. I really do. I would not be okay. surprised if he ran first, second, first, and third. And okay. as I said, I, I think this horse on the outside, this baseline beater, can get up and mm-hmm. run, you know, can can might get up in there into the exacta. Uh, I but I, I think Jason's Road is going to be the one to catch. And I, I think, you know, Florence Giroux is going to be able to uh, slow it down enough and just – give them too much work to do when they get to the stretch because this horse has a kick as well. He just likes to run on the front. So, I mean, the horses I'm, I'm going to be using are Instant Coffee, which is a Cox, Tappet's right. Conquest, Jace's Road, and then probably underneath Baseline Feeder. And if I hit that, 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 that will likely pay pretty good because those okay. are some longer shots other than Instant Coffee. Uh, I was wrong on the time. 5.42 uh, scheduled post time. FanDuel TV? What, what the heck is that? What is this? What, FanDuel TV? Yeah, what that's is TVG. that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the old It's the old television games network. Oh, okay. TVG. Okay. That's the horse racing network. And look, okay. this, it, this is the last weekend of the fairgrounds, um, right. but the Louisiana Derby is not the last race of the day. Jordy, they have three races after the Louisiana Derby on Saturday. So you better get tied on because it's going to be a long day. 15 races on Saturday and another 15 on Sunday to close out a a really good meet. 
I really wanted to go, but my daughter has a, a volleyball tournament. It takes up, I mean, I mean, you talk about a long day. I'm in the gym all day long, but I'm going to see if I can get FanDuel TV on my phone and watch it. Will Michael Bakeshock be in attendance? He will not be in attendance on Saturday, uh, okay. but I will be there for the closing day on Sunday for most of the 15, certainly the last race of the, of the meet, which has been a pretty good meet. They've had some challenges, but yeah. uh, they're closing it out with a bang. 30 races on two days is uh, is enough for, for any horse player. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, all right. Well, uh, just get ready because this is the first of about four more opportunities I'm going to be requesting for you. The Triple Crown races and then, of course, um, down the road with the uh, Breeders' Cup. So uh, always look forward to talking to you, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate much. it. I love to talk horse racing with you, Jory. Thanks right, a buddy. lot. Michael Bakeshock, Louisiana Derby, this Saturday at the fairgrounds. Ah, I wish I could be there. All right, we'll take a quick time out when we return. Hump Day with Huguenin. You don't want to miss it next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? No worries. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, and then there were 16. The NCAA tournament resumes tomorrow with four games on the docket in the Sweet 16. We're going to break them all down with my the guy that knows it. He's the best. We may not always get the winners, but we sure try. Uh, Michael uh, Huguenin on 3.com. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you, buddy? Yeah, doing quite well. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, the, to tomorrow night. Uh, we've got two number ones left, two number twos, three number threes, two number fours, two number fives. And it gets interesting. Six-seeded Creighton, seven-seeded Michigan State, eighth-seeded Arkansas, ninth Florida Atlantic, and 15th is Princeton. Princeton might be playing better than all of them. Yeah, Princeton has looked uh, quite good in its first two, uh, first two games. They dispatched Arizona which had a heck of a lot more talent, a heck of a lot more height. Um, But Princeton did a phenomenal job of defending in the paint uh, and rebounding and sent Arizona home early. And then in the second round, uh, Princeton outclassed Missouri. I mean, that was from about six minutes into the game. I was like, good God, Princeton's better than Mizzou. Um, yep. They're going to win this game by double digits, yep. and they did. I mean, they just yep. carved up Missouri's defense. Uh, and Missouri, I mean, it's still a great first season for Dennis Gates, but they were not – Princeton had no problems at all ousting Missouri. 
All right, let's go through. We've got four games on Thursday that we'll do in this segment. Then we'll take the four games on Friday in our next segment. And the opening matchup Thursday is in the East, third-seeded Kansas State versus seventh-seeded Michigan State. I love the two dy- dynamic small guards in Marquise Noel for Kansas State and Tyson Walker for Michigan State. <laughs> this is interesting. This is Tom Izzo's 15th Sweet 16 going up against Kansas State's Jerome Tang in his first season as a head coach. What do you think? Yeah, Kansas State, both the point guards are New York guys, which is exceedingly interesting. Um, uh, You know, watching Michigan State uh, oust Marquette, um, to me Marquette had control and then went into a six-minute spell where they decided – you know something, we're in the NCAA tournament, we're playing for a Sweet 16 game, but we're going to make as many mistakes as we possibly can, and let's see if that makes us lose. And it did. It's inconceivable. I think they went nine consecutive possessions at one point where they didn't score, and seven of them were turnovers. They were just exceedingly sloppy with the ball, and yes, part of that was Michigan State. Um, but Michigan State wasn't as talented as Marquette. I don't think they're as talented as Kansas State. Um, Izzo does give them an advantage on the sidelines, though Jerome Tang spent a heck of a lot of time at Baylor and has has played in big-time tournament games. Uh, I think the wild card is um, Keontae Johnson. I don't think Michigan State has a guy who can handle him. Um, And I think Michigan State's the last Big Ten team left. And I, I I think the Big Ten's a solid league. And I thought it was the second-best league for this season. It's not. I think it showed in the tournament that basically every team in that league lacks high-level athleticism. Uh, And I think Kansas State's big guys are vastly more athletic than K-State's. And I don't think Michigan State can stop Keontae Johnson. I'm with you. I like Kansas State in that one. We shall see. Coming up at 7-15 in the West, Boy, this this has all the makings. Uh, Fourth-seeded UConn versus eighth-seeded Arkansas. Dan Hurley versus Eric Musselman. Two high-strung, active coaches. Um, Arkansas likes to play fast, but the Huskies have that big man, Adama Sanogo. He was unbelievable, and UConn looks really, really good. But Arkansas is so talented. Tell me your breakdown of this one. Yeah, I think you're right. The coaches are excitable, but uh, thank God Hurley doesn't take his shirt off like Musselman yeah. does. <laughs> uh, uh, Mus- I don't know. Musselman, that's, that's bizarre to me. Um, UConn, look, at, at the beginning of the season, November into December, you watch the UConn and you're like, good God, this team is going to win the national title. They got it all. They got shooting. They got athleticism. They can bear down on defense. They got Sanogo. They got the Klingon kid, the seven-footer. This team's got it all. And then you watch them in the, the end of December and into January. Oh, my goodness. They're going to they're gonna finish fifth or sixth in the Big East. They've collapsed. They peaked too early. But here they are peaking again. Um, they have a lot of guys who can score. Um, Sanogo is going to be a problem for Arkansas. Um, I, you know, Arkansas did beat Kansas and, and nothing against Norm Roberts, but I think if Bill Self is there, I, I think Kansas wins because I think Bill Self would have been worth two points in that game, and yep. Kansas lost by one. Um, I'm with you. Arkansas is sloppy. Um, they, 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 make, they foul a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Their outside shooting is suspect. 
Um, they rarely play teams as athletic as they are. UConn is as athletic as Arkansas is. Uh, and I trust UConn's backcourt a little bit more than I trust Arkansas to score, though UConn can be really iffy with the ball as well. But I think the ultimate uh, the ultimate X factor in this game is Sonogo. If he stays out of foul trouble, uh, I think UConn wins. All right, Michael Huguenin on 3.com. Back to the East, fourth-seeded Tennessee versus ninth-seeded Florida Atlantic. Tennessee, physical. Florida Atlantic hadn't won an NCAA tournament game before last week, and now the Owls are playing in the Switch 16 at Madison Square Garden, one of the two remaining Cinderella stories of the tournament. FAU can shoot it, but Tennessee defends like crazy. Yeah, and I think the idea that Tennessee would be in the Sweet 16 without Ziegler, I, I think, even caught Tennessee fans off guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tennessee is not an elegant team. Um, they're the team that, if you're on the playground, you're looking at guys who are like, you watch them shoot, and you're like, oh, my God, these guys are terrible. They have horrible shooting form. They don't dribble well. But then they get on the court, and they elbow you and push you and knock you down and hit your hip when you're driving by. The physical aspect, FAU has never seen anything like this. Um, FAU did win in Gainesville, and Florida beat Tennessee uh, in Gainesville. But I don't think that FAU can stand Tennessee's physicality. Yeah, Tennessee has no problem just flailing away at you. I mean, I think the Duke-Tennessee game was called uh, in Tennessee's favor. Um, I don't think there's going to be any change with the refereeing, the officiating going forward. So I think Tennessee is going to be allowed to play really physical basketball. Um, So I think Tennessee wins. Florida Atlantic's advantage, they have a bunch of guys who can score. Um, you know, you, you, one game this guy might be the star. The next game this guy might be the star. The Davis kid is really good. They do have a seven footer who's a transfer from Texas Tech, but he's not much. And the, and the Tennessee big guy, <laughs> man, he he uh, he belongs on the football field. But um, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think Tennessee wins. Uh, and Rick Barnes deserves credit for getting them this far without their point guard. Mike Hugan and On3.com, the best of the four, I think they saved for last. Number two seed UCLA versus third seed Gonzaga, a rematch of the final four thriller in 2021. Gonzaga won on the buzzer beater from Jalen Suggs, drew Timmy's back for Gonzaga, Tiger Campbell, Jamie Jaquez back now as senior leaders for UCLA. Uh, they played early last season. Gonzaga won by 20. So Mick Cronin is 0-2. Two against the Zags since becoming the coach at UCLA. You like UCLA, don't you? Yeah, I do. And, and this is going to be a fascinating game because you know UCLA can play up tempo if they want to. They're not. They don't want to against Gonzaga. Um, and they're another team that you look at. You look. You know. You look at Tennessee. You're like these guys are pretty big and they're physical. T- UCLA is surprisingly physical. They play lockdown defense. Um, I think Gonzaga is a little bit soft. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Drew Timmy's a really good college big man. Um, not sure about Gonzaga's guards. And if Singleton is healthy and hits three or four three-pointers, uh, I think UCLA wins. I don't think Gonzaga is physical enough to stop Hawkes. I think okay. Tiger Campbell is going to be able to get into the lane when he wants to. But I think 
UCLA's outside shooting is gigantic, just like Gonzaga's outside shooting. Both these teams can go cold from the outside. I think the difference is, though, UCLA can lean on its defense. Gonzaga can't. So I think UCLA wins. So let's go over the Thursday winners. You've got Kansas State over Michigan State, UConn over Arkansas, Tennessee over Florida Atlantic, and UCLA to beat Gonzaga. Okay, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll go through the four games on Friday. Both number one seeds are still hanging around in that one. Mike Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin when we return. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. And there's 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. It's the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. The Louisiana Lottery, so many games to play, but you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Onward and upward we go. We talked about the first four games on Thursday in the men's Sweet 16. We've got four games on Friday as well, all starting off with... A 5.30 tip between number one seeded Alabama and number five seed San Diego State. San Diego State, Mike, uh, Mike Hugan and On3.com, elite defensive team. But but Alabama's a good defensive team, too. And Alabama has a lot of offensive weapons in this thing. Firepower is, the, is the, the, uh, there's a vast difference there. San Diego State um, is extremely good with its perimeter defense. And Alabama takes a lot of three-pointers and also makes a lot of three-pointers. So I think San Diego State's only hope, only hope um, to keep this close is to lock down Alabama on the perimeter. You know, give them the two-point shots, make, make life difficult. San Diego State's got some physical big guys. That's another team that, like Tennessee, is not afraid to let you know that they're around. But their offense is lacking, um, and they have to play phenomenal defense on the perimeter. That's their only chance to keep this close. I think Alabama wins. But, again, keep it close for San Diego State would mean shutting down or at least limiting Alabama's three-pointers to four or five total. Yeah, don't see that happening. That's no. a one seed that advances. Another one seed plays in the Midwest, Six fifteen tip. Houston versus fifth-seeded Miami. Miami averages 79 points a game. Houston allows 56. Something's going to give. I think both teams have really good guard play. They both have seasoned really good coaches. But I think the key to this one, can Miami hang on the glass against Houston that just goes to the boards with uh, with a relentless fervor? Yeah, and 
Houston played poorly in the first round against Northern Kentucky, and then they played a abysmal first half against Auburn. And then in the second half, they just blew Auburn's doors off. And that was the Houston team that most people expected to see. Um, their Sasser's not 100% healthy. Shed isn't 100% healthy. But they, they are extremely gifted players who gritted it out. They've had more days of rest. That's a huge positive. Miami embarrassed Indiana. Um, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Miami was yep. – that, that, was a, that was an example of a game where the, athletic, the lack of athleticism for Indiana, Miami magnified it. And that's a Miami team that, frankly, should have lost in the first round. Drake collapsed in the last five minutes. So yeah. one thing for Miami uh, when they beat Indiana, Norchad O'Meara, the transfer from Arkansas State, had a monster game on the boards. Um, but it's a lot easier rebounding against Indiana than it is against Houston. You talked about they are they are absolutely relentless yes. on the boards. That's another team that has big guys who really can't shoot, but they nope. play defense. Yeah. Um, they're physical and they rebound like demons. So I, I think Houston wins. Miami needs monster games from its guards, and Miami also wouldn't mind if Sasser or Shed <laughs> shows his injury. I don't think right. Miami's not a dirty team or anything like that, but the health of Sasser is vital and the health of Shed is just a little less vital because those guys make everything go, especially Sasser, who's just a great player. Marcus Sasser is really, really good. I think he's going to be a dynamic pro. I really, really do. All right. Um, to the South region we go Friday, 8 p.m. tip Cinderella. Uh, last year it was St. Peter's. This year it is certainly Princeton. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, the Tigers looked flat out better. They looked more prepared for the tournament than both Arizona and Missouri. They they held those teams. They out-rebounded both of those teams as a 15 seed from the Ivy League. What? Tell me about Creighton and Princeton. Yeah, the Princeton's got a kid, Awama, the Awama kid who's uh, from Great Britain, didn't start playing basketball until he was 15. Uh, the Ivy League player of the year, he was the best guy on the court. Uh, against Missouri, and he was really good against Arizona, too, which has a ton of talented players. Um, Creighton has Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, a seven-footer who's really effective on both ends. Uh, I think he will be more bothersome to Princeton than Arizona's big guys were because I think Creighton's guards, at least the point guard, Nimhard, is faster than any guard yep. at Arizona. That was one thing. You watch Arizona play. The, the Creasa kid who announced that he was transferring, which was interesting, uh, it, it's mind-blowing to me how slow that guy is. Um, Nimhart is not slow. Um, Creighton is another team that uh, they were preseason top ten. Um, they would look good for two or three games in a row, then they fell apart, and then they would look really good later. But um, it's, it, I think Creighton's, Creighton's better. I think Cochran is going to be a legitimate problem. Um, and I think I think Creighton wins because I also don't think that um, you know last year St. Peter's won in the Sweet 16. They, they beat Purdue, which yeah. <laughs> it, it, let's let's just say that I don't think that Matt Painter is a great tournament coach, but Dermott's nope. a better tournament coach than than Painter. I think Creighton will be ready to play, and I think uh, Princeton's going to have tons of problems with Nimhard, who had 30 right. last round against Baylor. And Baylor's mm -hmm. got a phenomenal backcourt. 
Mike Huguenin on 3.com. The finale uh, in the Midwest, 845 tip. Number two seeded Texas versus number three seeded Xavier. This is uh, the coaching subplots. Sean Miller on his redemption tour at Xavier. Rodney Terry trying to prove he deserves the full-time job at Texas. The both teams are in the top 40 in scoring. They're among the top 20 in assists. So this ought to be a fun up-and-down kind of game. Yeah, Xavier's another team in the first round. They easily could have lost to Kennesaw State. Um, Kennesaw State, they, they went cold and they looked really bad. Um, not as not quite as bad as Drake, but Kennesaw's last five, six minutes w- was not good. Um, the interesting thing about Xavier, they're here despite losing one of their best players. Uh, the Fremantle kid has missed almost the entire season. Yeah. Their depth is really sort of non-existent. Uh, Sule Boom, a transfer from UTEP, is a really good guard. Um, Nunji's a big-time center who's pretty physical. Texas's athleticism is interesting. They play lockdown defense. Um, there are that's I, I think Texas's defense is going to carry the day. Though I will say, Pitt in the second round against Xavier had zero. They couldn't stop anything Xavier did. Texas will stop. A lot of things Xavier does. But if Xavier hits threes, this is going to be mighty interesting because if you hit threes, it opens up the inside for Nunji. Yeah. And I think yeah. if he's in one-on-one, he's going to win a lot of battles inside. But if, if Xavier's throwing up bricks from the outside, Nunji's in trouble because Texas will be all over him. I still think Texas wins, but this okay. to me is going to be a really good game. Really good game. Really good. I'm with you. Let's recap. Thursday winners, Kansas State, UConn, Tennessee, UCLA. Friday winners, the two number one seeds, Alabama, Houston, a six seed Creighton, and a two seed Texas. So Mike has all the higher seeds, uh, w- uh, the lower seeds, rather, uh, winning and advancing to the Elite Eight. We shall see. I've got to ask you, um, Ed Cooley from Providence to Georgetown. You like it? Yeah, I do. And I didn't, I didn't realize I'd picked all the all the chalk seeds, that, that's, that's not going to happen, so don't listen to me. But um, <laughs> Ed Cooley, no, Ed Cooley, I think Ed Cooley is a really good coach. And I think yeah. people at Providence were like, why would you leave here? You're from here. You talked about how this is your great job. Georgetown's a better job. Yeah. And that's what I, I don't get why, why people criticize coaches for leaving for better jobs. It's like go to a typical Providence fan. Oh, if you could leave for a better job but you'd have to move, would you do it? Yes. yes. More money. Yeah. So it's a much better chance to win the national title uh, or yeah. win the Big East because the, the recruiting base at Georgetown just in D.C. and Maryland is vastly better than it is in Providence, <laughs> Rhode Island. So uh, I think uh, the Big East hired Patino this week, and they hired Cooley this week. Um, Cooley obviously is an interconference move, but um, it's at a, at a bigger and better program. So I think Georgetown, I think that's a coup because I think Ed Cooley's a really good coach. And he can go into Capitol Hill. That, that's a very wealthy town and get NIL money. And Patino can go hit Wall Street. Yes. I think Patino to St. John's is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think he's going to be there, you know, certainly not going to be there 10 years. But no. if, you know, can he get them relevant within three seasons? Heck yes. And yeah. if you're St. John's, that's what you're paying for. You want to be relevant again. Heck, they, they want to be relevant in the Big East. Yes. Providence had passed them 
uh, a lot of schools had passed. Xavier had passed them. Creighton had passed them. And it's mm-hmm. a St. John. So uh, I think that, that Patino is going to do a really good job there in a short amount of time. And I think Cooley is going to make Georgetown a heck of a lot better relatively quickly. So that sort of restores some sense of normalcy to the Big East with Georgetown and St. John's being good again. Yeah, can Syracuse get good again, please? That's another good – that's a good question. They're such a bad fit in the ACC. Um, yeah. You sort of hope – you know, Syracuse cares a lot about basketball, and some of the other schools in the ACC care about basketball. But I'll be honest, um, Syracuse belongs in the Big East. I know the Big East doesn't play football. Um, it's it's just the basketball program has, is a shell of its former self, just like no St. John's and Georgetown is. Um, I think Beheim was a great coach who his shelf life expired. Um, I think St. John's and Georgetown now have potentially great coaches who are going to do big-time things at those schools. How about that women's tournament, LSU? I mean, number one seed Indiana in their side of the bracket got beat, and so LSU's the highest seed in that one. Um, I'll tell you what, they, <laughs> that women's tournament's good. It's been interesting this year because some number one seeds have lost. Um, yep. You know, the idea right. that... Which never happens. Right, exactly. Ole Miss and eight seed beat Stanford at Stanford. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that's often overlooked all the all the all the one seeds play at home the first two rounds. Yep. So do all the two, three, and four seeds. So of course they're gonna they should win because they play in front of a home crowd. But um, the Ole Miss upset was interesting. The Miami beating Indiana one day after the Miami men eliminated Indiana, the the Miami women eliminated Indiana. So I don't think Miami is uh, is anybody's fan favorite at at, uh, at IU this week. But the tournament has been interesting. They, they obviously have changed up the Sweet 16 games because they're at two sites, not right. four, which is yep. interesting. Um, but it, yeah, the tournament, the fact that two number one seeds are out is is noteworthy because, like you said, it really happens. Rarely, if ever, happens. Caitlin Clark, best player in oh, women's man. basketball. She's fun to watch. She God, has no she conscience, good. man. Oh, nope. I'm, I'm 30 feet from the hoop, but I'm open. I don't care. I'm shooting, and it usually goes in. It's she's she's she'd be on if, if you're playing at the playground. I mentioned playground teams earlier for Tennessee. If if you're at a playground and you see Caitlin Clark there, you pick her first because she's going to bomb away, man. Let me. I don't know this, so I'm going to ask you. You know, in the NBA, you can leave after your first year of college and go. You can leave WNBA? for the WNBA, but I, no one ever does it because the money's not there. And if you're Caitlin right. Clark, especially, NIL. you can make more money with NIL, like the Bayou Barbie at LSU. She's doing <laughs> quite well in NIL. Not as good as Libby Dunn, but not bad. So uh, <laughs> from what I've been told, it's the idea – NIL has been a boon to the women's game, um, and it's going to keep players definitely in place longer because, you know, two UConn players are making a ton of money from NIL. Caitlin Clark's making a ton of money, um, and which is the way NIL is supposed to work. Yeah, big talk, and we'll go to we'll get get you out of here real quick. I, I, I've always mixed. Brian Kelly's a really good football coach. This Jake Johnson um, with baseball's got the number one team in the country. Kim Mulkey's got the number one recruiting class. Angel Reese is coming back now. Who's going to win a national championship first? Oh, man, it's it's a race. It's yeah, a race. If you're an LSU fan, considering what 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 was happening three years ago. 
um, with baseball, basketball, women's basketball, you got to be in heaven right now, man. Everything is going exceedingly well. And, gee, that's what means. That's what having the right coach means. Yep. And speaking of being in heaven, Mike Huguenin and Jordy Heltberg, Thursday and Friday, Saturday and yes. Sunday, watching all the hoops. Man, thank you so much. Enjoy every minute of it, my guy. Exactly. We'll talk Thanks, next sir. week. Thank you, sir. Talk to you next week. You got it. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. We'll be back to wrap everything up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And also the home for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, Line of Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight, starting at 6, as host Jim Gazzolo will be talking with baseball coach Justin Hill. You can hear it all right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 55 minutes after the hour as we uh, put the finishing touches on this one. What a fun, fun show. Ben McDonald joined us with his thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. And, boy, the SEC race uh, in baseball is going to be fast and furious. Matt Reiser, the head coach of Southeastern, whose Lions take on the Raging Cajuns tonight at 6 o'clock at the Teague. Uh, Michael Bakeshock gave us his thoughts on the Saturday running of the Louisiana a derby and Mike Huguenin went over all the games of the Sweet 16 in the men's tournament which gets back underway tomorrow. LSU women have headed off as they take on uh, Utah. It'll be a matchup of the bigs which we'll get into tomorrow. Alyssa Pillies against Angel Reese, two of the best players in women's college basketball. So we'll talk all about that. If today is your birthday, March 22nd, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your day with uh, recently retired at 34 years old, J.J. Watt. Um, What a player. What a player he was. I don't know what he's going to do now, but good for him. He gets out and still able to to walk around and not not be hurt. That that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh tomorrow, don't know yet, but we'll we'll bring something to you. I can promise you whatever's pertinent and important and fun, we will bring it to you tomorrow. James Mesh, thank you, sir, for all you do in the producer's chair inside the Epgo Development Studios. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do, radio, internet, television, the best. And, of course, our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. Our partners. You're the best. You are the best. Um, Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Holberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another, and please be happy. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is next. 
Until tomorrow. So long, everybody.